This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, Bruchem Abbaim, welcome everyone to tonight's year, Parshas Kiseitze. Tonight's year is, uh, and all the Shirman Sefer Devarim are sponsored by Dr. Zakheim, Lilo Nishmas, Rav Shloima, Eliezer, Ben Harav Yaakov, Zakheim, his Nisham Shavan Aliyah, the Yomel Siyosher for the whole family, Abi Yaskoyel Tzedek. And tonight's year, last moment, is sponsored anonymously. Um, I wasn't supposed to mention his name by Yaakov Mizrahi, but it's sponsored anonymously. Nobody knows who it is. And uh, we're Mavarichim with Simcha Sanachas, Abi Yaskoyel Tzedek. Um, if anybody still wants to participate in Sefer Bereshis, which is going to print, and could still use a little bit of a boost, um, please contact us, and Bezus Hashem, we hope to have it available um, for Sefer Bereshis. Okay, so we have a very interesting subject tonight, and this is uh, the one of the opening uh, narratives in the Chumash, and that is the episode of the Ben Sairumara. The wayward son. Let's begin as follows. The Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us, Andaf Kufzayin, an amazing Gemara. The Gemara says, David HaMelech wanted to serve idols. David HaMelech, not only that, he, uh, he tried to serve idols. And the Gemara darshans it from a Pasuk, and all of a sudden, a man comes to David HaMelech, and, he sa- and his name was Chushai Ha'arki. And Chushai Ha'arki says, David, a king like you, you're going to serve idols. And David says, a king like me should be pursued and harassed by his own son. We know that Avshalom was running after David HaMelech to chase him. It's interesting, if you open up Tehillim, already in Paragimel of Tehillim, which according to many is the second chapter of Tehillim, David, Mizmola David, Bevarcha Mibnei Avshalom Benoi. So his, David's first tsar he ever encountered was being chased by his own son. So David said, I have to serve idols. Because if I don't serve idols and people look at me and they see my son trying to kill me, it's going to be a chil Hashem. Why be a chil Hashem? Because people are going to say that uh, a tzaddik has such a, 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 a harsh and difficult life. So therefore I am obligated to, des- to, to violate the will of Hashem in order to justify why such a terrible thing is happening to me. In other words, David HaMelech felt that he needed to justify the hand of Shemayim. And he went to serve idols. We have to explain what that means. And Chushe Ha'arki says, David, wait a second. You don't need to come up with a reason why God is punishing you. Nobody's going to have any questions when they see your son running after you to kill you. Don't think you're such a big tzaddik that people are going to say, Oh, why is this happening to David HaMelech? Doesn't God run the world? Nobody's going to have any questions when they see what happened to you. Because you, David, you married a Yifas Toyar. Right? We know that's the first story in the Chumash. Yifas Torah is like this. If you're fighting to defend the Jewish people, and you're, you're fighting to defend Kal Yisrael, and you're in the heat of the battle, you're on the battlefront, and you're in the, on the war front, and passions are flaring, and at such a time, if a man encounters a beautiful woman, Chazal say, the desire and the, the lust becomes unbearable, and therefore Chazal have given allowance that under those circumstances, the man could take the woman, live with her, yes, convert or not convert her, it's a discussion, it's a machalikas, but he can definitely have relations with this woman, he marries her later, he doesn't marry her later. And this is called Yifas Tayar, because Chazal say, if we don't let him live with her, beheter, he's going to live with her, be'iser. However, Chazal also say, that why is the 
Halacha of Yifas Tayar juxtaposed to Ben Sarah Umayra. What's the connection between Yifas Tayar and Sarah Umayra? Chazal say, you want to marry her? No problem. But you're going to ultimately hate her. And then you're going to have a nice little Russia kid. You're going to have a wicked child who's going to be a wayward son. So therefore, you want her? You got her. But, you know, you're going to eat your poison from it. So that's the juxtaposition of the fast tayar with the Ben Sairo Moira. So David, nobody's going to have any questions on you when they see your son running after you to kill you. They're not going to say, oh, he's such a big tzaddik. Everybody knows David HaMelech married a Yifas Tayar. He lived with Yifas Tayar. Who, by the way, which Yifas Tayar did David live with? Her name was Ma'acha Bas Melech Talmai of Geshur. And uh, therefore, everybody will understand that Avshalom, your beloved Avshalom, is a Ben Saramayra, and that's why he's trying to kill you. So David HaMelech says, What do you mean? I thought you were allowed to marry Ben Saro, uh, uh, Tayar. So Chushe Ha'arki says, Hey David, you don't darshan smuchim, you don't darshan juxtaposition. That's why Yifas Tayar is juxtaposed to Ben Saramayra to teach that if somebody marries a Yifas Tayar, they will have a Ben Sarumar. And this is what Rashi brings down in the beginning of the parsha. Rashi brings that why does the Torah bring the episode of the Yifas Tayar and then a woman who you hate and then a Ben Sarumara to teach you want to marry Yifas Tayar? No problem. Go ahead and marry her. You're going to ultimately hate her. You're ultimately going to have a Ben Sarumara. Now, a few things are in order. Namely, David was going to serve idols. I mean, you can't just serve idols because you want to make God look good. I'm, I want to make God look good today, so I'm going to go bow down to idols. It's not something you could take into your own hands. So the Mepharshim discussed this at length. The Arachanah writes that David wasn't going to actually serve idols. He was going to make himself look like he was serving idols. Maris Ayin. So if anybody has any questions why God is doing this to him, they'll, he'll give off the appearance as if he's serving idols, so they won't have any questions on God. Another pshat, uh, the Marsha says, is that no, David wasn't actually going to serve idols. What he was going to do was, he was going to move to Cedarhurst. And the halacha is, if somebody leaves the land of Israel, but not just Cedarhurst, but maybe uh, um, Williamsburg, Lakewood, Recently, most people say, Oh, I heard this year on Lakewood Radio. So that's right. If you live, if you leave Eretz Yisrael to go anywhere in the world, you're considered as if you're Oyved Avoidazara. Why? The Gemara says, Kol Mishadar Eretz Yisrael, Ki'ilu Yeshla Eloika. Anyone who lives in the land of Israel, it's as if you have a God. Anyone who lives outside of the land of Israel, it's as if you don't have a God. Okay, so. Whatever, I'm sure everybody has their reasons and their rationales, and maybe they're good. But there is such a concept that leaving the land of Israel is akin to idolatry. So David said, I'm going to leave Israel. That's what David HaMelech says. Ki gershuni hayoy mehistapeach benachlas alikim. The David HaMelech said, I'm going to leave the land of Israel and it'll be like I served idols. Or Rabbi Yonasen says, do you remember from Pasha Shoftim? Why is the Isra planting in Asherah? next to appointing a Dayan who is not proper. Anyone who appoints an improper Dayan, it's as if he planted an Asherah tree. So David was going to position an improper Dayan, and that's like Avodah Zarah. And therefore, uh, David HaMelech was going to give the impression as if he was serving Avodah Zarah. But here's the problem. So David had this great idea. David was going to serve idols, and he's going to make God look good. 
And Chushay Arki says, you don't need to make God look good. God looks very good as it is. You married a Yifas Tayar. David didn't know that if you marry a Yifas Tayar, you have a Ben Sayyar Moira. David didn't learn Rashi on the Sixth Parsha. I mean, uh, you know Rashi comes from David HaMelech, right? No, but it's a Chazal. It's what Chazal say. Chazal darshan the juxtaposition of the Fast Tayar with uh, Ben Sayyar Moira. So why didn't David know that if you live with the Yifas Tayar, you're going to have a Ben Sayyar Moira? That's the question of Chazam Seifer. Another question. Here you have a guy. He's on the battlefront. His passions are flaring. He can't contain himself. He can't control himself. He said, what am I going to do? The Torah says I can't live with this lady. But he can't control himself. So we say, don't worry. The Torah gets you. The Torah digs you. The Torah understands human nature. And under these circumstances, no, no problem. You can't overcome. Live with her. But, but, by the way, if you live with her, you're going to mess up your future. You're going to have messed up children. So, wow, the Torah is really being very understanding to this gentleman. I mean, what kind of understanding is that? You're telling the guy, no problem, do whatever you want, we understand, you're, you're vulnerable now, you see your Achilles heel, but you should just know, if you give in to it, you're going to mess up your whole future forever and ever and ever. Wow, wow that's very understanding of you, Torah. So what, what is this dichotomy? We understand, we let, but we, we give him basically the worst possible repercussion that anyone could possibly have. So you ready for this? Says the Chassam uh, Seifer in the Drashos on page Shin Mem Dalet. Says the Chassam Seifer, amazing thing. He says that there is no question that if someone's on the battlefield and passions are flaring and he can't control himself, the person is allowed to give in, live with the Yifas Tayar, and he will have children, Tzadikim, Tamid Chachamim, Go'inim, Marbitzei Torah, and then he'll have tremendous nachas from these children. After all, if the Torah allows someone to marry the Yifas Torah, then nothing bad could happen from it, yeah? But what if you have a guy, here you have this little tzaddikal on the battlefront, and he's looking at all these men who are vulnerable, and he's thinking to himself, it's a piece of cake for me, I'm not tempted, I, I could overcome my Yitzhahara. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> now's my chance! I might as well take advantage of the Hector of Yifas Torah, everyone else is doing it. So, uh, I, you know, if, why not? I'll join in the, in the fun, I'll join in the action. Can he do that? Or is it only given to someone who legitimately, legitimately cannot overcome, but somebody who could have overcome, he, he has to control himself. Says the Chassam Sarf, there's no question, this Hector is only given to somebody who was not able to control themselves. But if somebody was able to control themselves, then they would not be allowed to marry the Fastar. So, yeah. So basically, you have to be something that, that very few people are. You have to be honest with yourself, right? person has to basically uh, know themselves and be able to figure out you know, what level they're on. Can they overcome or not? So David HaMelech thought, David HaMelech, he's there on the battlefront, and he thought, this is too hard for him. He's too tempted. He can't overcome. So he figured he legitimately had the right to live with the Yifas Tayar. And he had no anticipation of any bad children to come. He didn't think that anything uh, detrimental would come out of this. But David made a mistake. Because David underestimated himself. 
Because David really could have overcome the Nisayim. He had what it took to overcome. And he wasn't allowed to live with Yifastoyim. And that's what Chushay Aki said. David, don't make the mistake and think, you're the guy who's allowed to marry the Yifastoyim. You, in fact, David, were not allowed to marry the Yifastoyim. And you illegitimately took advantage of this heter. And uh, that was the machlekes between David and uh, Chushay Ha'aki. Now, from the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Davkov uh, Zayin Amen Aleph, the Gemara implies that Avshalim was a Ben Sairomaira. And that's what the Gemara says. Chushay Ha'aki said, he's running after you because he married Yifas Tayar, and the inevitable repercussion is you're going to have a Ben Sairomaira. In fact, the Balaturim says, Soirer 466, is Gematria Ze Avshalim ben David. The numerical value of Ze Avshalim ben David is Soirer. However, there's another Gemara. The Gemara says that the father and mother have to have the same voice. They have to sound exactly the same. Otherwise, the Ben Soirer Umoirer it does not become a Ben Saramara. They have to have the same voice. Now, what is the likelihood of a husband and wife having the same voice? No. No two people have the same voice. Because it says, shama He didn't listen to our voice. As if they have the same voice. And then the Gemara says, not only do they have the same voice, but they need to look the same. And they need to have the same height. Now, if you saw a couple who looked the same, had the same height, you would, you, you'd say, you know, there's a nightmare or something, you know? You know, what's going on over here? You're the twilight zone. What's, what's happening? And, but that's what the Gemara says. Says the Gemara, we learned in Abraisa, Ben Sairo Moira, never was, never will be. Why was it written? to receive schar, to learn it and receive schar. Who does this go like? It goes like this opinion that a ben Sairamara, the father and the mother, have to have the same voice and the same appearance and the same height. And then the Gemara brings the opinion of Rab Shimon that what's the logic? The guy ate a little too much at a barbecue and now you're killing the kid? No. Rab Shimon holds ben Sairamara never was, never will be. What's the point of it? Learn it and receive reward. Then the Gemara says that Rabbi Yoyinah's son said, what are you talking about? I saw Ben Sarah Umayr. Not only that, I went to, I was once sat on the grave of a Ben Sarah Umayr. Now, I like to visit Kvarim. I have yet to go to the, actually I was at the Kever of Avshalom. But it's on Harazesim, right? Yad Avshalom. But, <laughs> but I haven't been at the Kever of uh, a Ben Sarah Umayr. I never, I never saw a grave. Here lies a wayward son. You know? And also, it's not on my bucket list either. But the Gemara says that there's machloikis, whether Ben Sarmar existed or not, but it seems like the uh, standard viewpoint is that it never existed. It never happened. And why does the Torah write it? So you can learn about it and receive reward. So Rabbeinu B'chayi asks the following question. So you're basically saying, the Torah created a bizarre circumstance of two parents who are like aliens... They, they, they both, I don't know what, they fell into Chernobyl, into some gas leak or something, and they, they both uh, look the same, and they have the same voice, and the same height, and uh, you know, and it never happened, and why did the Torah write it? Well, to learn it and get reward. So Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says, 
what exactly, what kind of reward is the Torah looking? You know, if the Torah just wants to write more words so we can learn more information to get reward, I could think of bizarre, you know, stories. Once upon a time, there was a rabbit who turned into a dragon who started spitting wood and nickels. I mean, I'll learn it and get schar. You're saying that the Torah basically wrote a bizarre situation that can't occur and never occurred just to learn and get reward. What are you supposed to get out of this? So Ben Bechai says as follows. There is a very important limud from the Ben Saramayra. Says Ben Bechai, the greatest love in this world is the love of a parent, a father, and a mother to a child. There's no greater love than a parent to a child. The parent lives for the child. The parent gives everything for the child. However, what if that child is a wayward child? It can't happen. It never happened. But what if? So what do we expect of the parent? We expect the parent, basically, to follow the dictates of the Torah and to say that God commands that if this child is so wayward that he's involved in excessive eating and he's going to rob and he's going to murder, the parent is obligated to take the kid to Bezdin and give the kid over to Bezdin and the Bezdin will give lashes to the kid and if the kid doesn't listen, Bezdin will kill the child. Basically, the parent is obligated to elevate and magnify his love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu over his love for the child. From this story of the Ben Saru Maira, we learn from here how great one's love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs to be, that one's love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs to be even above and beyond one's love for their child. And that's something to learn and to get reward from. That is the purpose of the story. And Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says this is the limud of Akedah Yitzchak. Why do So, 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 okay, good, good question. Rabbeinu B'chayi says that this Indian has already been taught through the story of Avraham at the Akedah. And that is why Avraham is called Avraham Oyhavi, Avraham my beloved, because Avraham loved Hashem more than, more than uh, his son. So David's asking, so we already know this from the Akedah, why do we need to have a mitzvah ben Saramara. So it could be like this. From Avraham Avinu we see that it is humanly possible to elevate one's love of HaKadosh Baruch over one's love for a son. But you would say, that's for the greatest of tzaddikim, but this is not something expected of every average Jew. So Hashem gave us a mitzvah, that this is the ambition and this is the requirement and the obligation of every Jew to elevate their love of HaKadosh Baruch over their love for the Son. Now, had we not had the Akedah, we just had the Mitzvah Ben Saramar, you would think, okay, God's telling this to us, but you can't actually do it. Nobody actually did that. So we have the story as well, so to speak, backing that up, perhaps, that in fact, somebody did reach this Madrega. And maybe we could add, as we, we like to say many times, that the, uh, the remez to the month of Elul is what? Ani... The doidi, the doidili. Yeah, everyone's very tired tonight. Yeah, tired. Slichos, you started Rishchodesh Elo. Svarde, no. Ani le doidi v'doidi. Why is Elo ani le doidi v'doidi? Why not ani l'ashem v'ashem li? Ani le shakai v'shakai li? Ani le tzvakos? Because uh, the Chida says, in the month of Elo, we want to do tshuva me'ahava, tshuva out of love. 
tshuva of love practice, because when you do tshuva out of love, all of one's averos are transformed into mitzvahs. Somebody mentioned to me recently that that idea that when a person does tshuva me'ava, their averos turns into mitzvahs, they had mentioned they, they were about tshuva, and they did certain things in their past, and this was a very inspiring concept, that if a person does tshuva me'ava, you could transform all your averos into mitzvahs, and that's the ambition of Chodesh Elul, ani l'doidi to do tshuva me'ava, and therefore in Parshas Ki Seitze, we have the mitzvah ben Moira to inspire us to the madrigos of Avas Hashem that we need to try to aspire to, namely that we should elevate the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu over the love of any, anything that we have in this world. And here's a million dollar question. Why do we kill the Ben Sayyid What did he do? He ate three hot dogs instead of two hot dogs. And he had a very big piece of steak. And he had two pieces of corn also. And a little extra coleslaw. And too many pickles. And maybe an extra beer. I mean, that's why you're killing the kid? Somebody asked me, why don't, so what, he's addicted to meat. So, so he's, he's addicted? So let him go to, go to therapy. What happened to therapy? So, you know, he did already, they tried. It didn't work. Anyway, the bottom line is, Rashi says, look at number six, Uben Nerag He's killed based on the way we project his end. The Torah looks into what's going to be in the end. In the end, it's not, it's not uh, cheap eating steak every night. It adds up. Especially, what do they charge for a steak? If you order a steak in the store, it's going to cost you 25 bucks. In the restaurant, it's going to cost you, what, 50 bucks. The kid's eating a steak every night. Every night, six days with 300 bucks a week just for the steak and the, and the corn and Everything and the extra coleslaw and the two beers—it's, it's, he's running up a bill every night, 193 bucks. His job pays him basically 43 dollars a day, and by the time the month is over, he's broke. So he has to rob. He's starting to steal bikes, then motorcycles, and then I don't know what—he robs a bank and he he can end up killing someone. So therefore, we say, listen, kid, we're going to do you a favor. We're going to kill you. And this way, you'll die innocent and you won't die guilty. Basically, why does the Ben Saramara die? Why do we kill him? Because Nerag al Shem Soifai. We look into his future, the kid's got a dark future, kill him now while he's innocent. By the way, the stipler says, Soira Umoira is Gematria al Shem Soifai Hu Nidain. He's judged based on the future. So basically, we're using the following mechanism. We don't view you the way you are now. We view you based on what you're going to be in the future. But wait a second. Don't we know? What about tshuva? And don't we know the famous rule? The famous rule that we learn out of Yishmael, where uh, Avram chased uh, Hagar and Yishmael out of the house, and they were dying of thirst, and Hashem wanted to make a miracle and give Yishmael water. And the Malachim said, this hilario, you're going to give water. You know what they're going to do? They're going to kill the Jews and thirst one day. And you're going to give water to someone who's going to cause the Jews to die of thirst? So God says to the angels, tell me now, right now, is he a tzaddik or is he a rasha? He said, now he's a tzaddik. Now, I only look at a person the way he is now. I don't project the future. That's why it says, Ba'asher husham, the way he is now. That's one of the reasons we read this on 
Rosh Hashanah, we tell you, whatever you're going to be in a month from now, you're going to sink back into your bad ways. Just be good now, today on Rosh Hashanah. Because God judges you the way you are now, not He doesn't project what you're going to be. So this is one of the famous theological questions in the Chumash. Yishmael teaches us that God judges somebody based on the way they are now. He does not project the future. And the Ben Sayyomar is, Hashem Nidoin, Hashem Soifa, Hu Nidoin. Good question, right? All the Mepharshim asked this question. Ben Sayyomar is judged based on the future, and Yishmael was judged the way he is now. There are many answers. I'll tell you the... Top three answers. The main three answers in the Yachreinim. Answer, question number one, um, answer number one is given by the Moshav Zakenim. Moshav Zakenim, <laughs> that's the name of the Sefer. In fact, I have a good friend who, one time when he heard the name Moshav Zakenim, he sort of humorously um, made light of this name not realizing that this is one of the Baleatoisis. And then, then he found out, you know, you can't make, can't make light of uh, a name of the Svarim of one of the Rishonim. So he was told, as a, a way of being Mesakin, he should give out the uh, Sefer Moshe of Zekenim. Okay, listen to what the Moshe of Zekenim says. He says, there's a big difference between the wayward son and Yishmael. And that is, Yishmael right then, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. He's a cute kid. Nice guy. There's nothing about what he's doing that would allow you to project what his future would be. In other words, looking at Yishmael, we don't see him heading in any direction. Okay, then we don't project. We can't use prophecy to project the future. But right now, this Ben Saira he's eating like a glutton. He's eating. He's drinking. He's... Uh, He's armed and he's dangerous. And what, the way he's behaving now lends itself. We see he's already starting his downward spiral. In other words, Yishmael, God happens to know prophetically what's going to be in the future. God will not project based on that. But in the case of Yishmael, uh, but in the case of Ben Sarmar, he's already starting his downward spiral. So then we project the future. Uh, was, uh, remind me your name again? Saul. So Saul, Saul is asking... Uh, yeah, why did they throw Yishmael out? Because he was a mitzachik. Arayas, he's doing bad stuff. So how could the Moshe of Zikainim say that there is nothing that Yishmael was doing from which we could project what his ultimate outcome would be? So if you look in the Sifsei Chacham, and he quotes Rabbi Yehoshua Mizrahi, who adds one more detail. And that is, could be Yishmael was not a great guy at that time either. But what is the Avera that he would ultimately do that should not allow God to give water to the Jewish people? He's going to make us die of thirst. There is nothing about what, what Yishmael was doing that would give us an inkling, oh, he'll ultimately cause us to die in thirst. In other words, that ultimate sin did not begin in any way. The seeds of it were not there. In other words, we can only project if what ultimately we're going to project, the seeds of that have already begun. As opposed to the Ben Sar this behavior that he's doing now lends itself, is we're inclined to see, we already see the first steps of his downward spiral. That's what Rabbi Yom Mizrahi just adds to that first answer. Answer number two, you ready for this? 
Answer number two is like this. God will project the future. In you. But He's not going to project the future based on your children. So the Malachim said, you're going to give Him water? His children are eventually going to cause us to die in third. God said, what about Him? Him. Right now. This guy. This guy is good. I don't care about the, I don't care about the children. I'm not going to project the future based on the children. But the Ben Saramayra, it's that guy himself. God will project the future based on that guy. Third answer. God will never project the future. You are what you are. But God lets the court down here project the future. In a way, it's very counterintuitive. God lets man project the future. He doesn't. He himself doesn't project the future. Even though God knows the future, and man can only guess. But on the other hand, maybe fundamentally, God cannot project the future because since He knows what it is, it's gonna, it's going to sort of interfere with free choice. If God would, right? How could God allow the future to affect the way He views us? Then, you know, then why go through it to begin with? The Chida adds another few ideas. And that is, you know why the Ben Sarah we project the future? Because he comes from bad stock. Who's his mother? His mother is Yifas Tayar. His mother is a Gentile. His mother is, uh, is from the heathens. So since he comes from Tipa Sarucha, he comes from impure origins, We'll say, you know what? Likely, we know what his end will be. Who? You're right. So it's a good thing Avraham wasn't a Ben Sarah He was a good guy. There's nothing. In other words, when somebody starts bad behavior, will project the future if they come from bad stock. Now, what about Yishmael? So the Chida says something interesting that Yishmael was the son of Abraham, and Hagar converted. Later on, after. And Hagar converted. Even though, by the way, the Mepharshim say that historically, there have been many wonderful gerim from Esav. Like who? Like Shmaya, Aftalion, Unklis, Ivadia, and of course, Rabbi Meir. Right? So we've been many nice Gerim from Esav. How many Gerim from Yishmael? Nobody. Nobody ever converted. Nobody of note ever converted from Yishmael. Why? Because Yishmael was born in a Rechem Temea. Yishmael came from an impure womb, Hagar. But Esav came from Rivka. So Esav had some sparks of Kedush on him. Okay. Now, who else was judged based on their end? And this is also another factor, Yosef HaTzadik. One of the reasons the brothers wanted to kill Yosef is because they looked in the future and they saw Yeravim ben Nevat was going to come out of him. So that's also another instance. Yeravim ben Nevat was the first king of the ten tribes. Here's another interesting thing. And I think this is another approach. Let's say you're walking down the street on uh, West Broadway and... Oakland Avenue. And you see Ruvain running after Shemaim to kill him. 
and you happen to be carrying a gun on you, what do you do? Not in America. <laughs> what do you do? Haba, right? What, what will we call Ruvain in Halacha? It's a Roydev. You gotta kill Ruvain. Why do we kill Ruvain? Why do we kill Ruvain? Ruvain's a good guy. He just came from the Dafyoimi and he was just honored by his son's yeshiva, parent of the year. And, you know, he was the dinner chairman of, at, at I don't know what. Why do you kill Ruvain? Because Ruvain is running after Shimon. But he didn't, right now, he's a good guy. Yeah. But we have the, but he's a Roydev. And we can judge him based on sci-fi. He's Nidoy now We know what he's going to do. Anyone who's trying to kill somebody is a Roydev. And we could say, we could judge him based on the future. Says the Cheskuni, Aben Sairo Moira, is a Roydev. Right now, by being so excessively involved in food, and he's habitually always needing a lot of money to buy food, and he's going to at all costs kill someone to get his money to buy the food, he's a roidev, and he's a roidev, you could kill him. I think this might be another answer to the question. Again, a roidev is someone who is deemed actively dangerous. Right, if Ruvain's running after Shimon, you're allowed to kill Ruvain, even though Ruvain's a great guy right now. He just he himself gave the Dafi Amishir. Even so, you could kill Ruvain, because Ruvain's a Roydev. That means we're allowed to judge Ruvain al Shem Saifai. So the Ben Saira Rumaira is Nidain al Shem Saifai. Okay, another thing. Soirer Umaira. Spell the word Umaira. Vav. Mem. Vav, Reish, hey. That's the first time it says, Sayer Umayra. The second time it says, they bring him to Bezin, And there it's spelled, Vav, Mem, Reish. Vav, Mem, Reish, hey. It's missing the second Vav. And I knew this was troubling you. I know that's why you were a little bit uh, grouchy tonight. Because you were wondering about that second Vav. What happened to the second Vav? Like, ah. Your wife said, what, what is it? Is it the second vav? So it's the second vav. Why is the second vav missing uh, by Umoira? So the Shah Sachuvas Binyan Shlem of Shalak Kaimi Vilna says as follows There are six ways to get out of being a Ben Saromaira. If the father and mother are missing a leg, if they're crippled, if they're mute, if they're deaf, if they're blind, or if there's no zakanim in the city, then, you're, then the, the Spencer gets out of it. Okay, another, there's six, six ways out. Now another halacha. Let's say the kid is eating 17 steaks every night. You just kill him? No. You give him lashes once, twice, and then you kill him. The halacha that there are six ways out of becoming a Ben Sairo Moira, is only a tour on the Misa, not a tour on the Malkus. So the first time it's talking about they're bringing him to Bezin to get whipped. It doesn't say the missing Vav because if you're missing any of these things, you're not putter from being a Ben Sairo Moira. But when they're bringing him to court to kill him, 
if you're missing any of these six things, he wouldn't be a Ben Saromaira, so the Torah did not write the second Vav. Now here's a great question. David, you're going to like this question. You ready? We killed the Ben Saromaira based on what the end is going to be. What, how do we kill him? What, what punishment do we give him? We stone him. What, what are we projecting he's going to do in the future? He's going to kill someone. Let's say someone actually kills someone. What punishment do we give them? What is the punishment for a murderer? Hereg. So we, we, the, we chop off the head with a sword. So if the whole reason we, we kill him is because he's going to murder, why wouldn't we give him the punishment that he would get if he would be a murderer? The whole reason is, we're projecting. So projecting, what would he get if he actually murdered? That's the question of Rabbi Shua Leib Diskin. So the answer is very Pashat. You think the only thing he's going to do is he's going to murder? He's only going to murder. That's the only thing he's going to do. What if... Uh, he needs to desecrate Shabbos. He'll probably desecrate Shabbos. What if he, he'll probably curse his father and mother? That's, now, desecrating Shabbos is skila. Cursing father and mother is skila. So that wait, but that's not what Chazal say. Chazal say, we project he's going to curse his father and mother. We project he's going to desecrate Shabbos. Chazal say, we project he's going to kill. So it's like this. We know he's going to do all the above. But if we would just project that he would desecrate Shabbos or, or, or curse his father or mother, that would not be enough of a reason to kill him now. This goes hand in hand with the Chizkuni. Why are we killing him now? Because he's a Roydef. Why is he a Roydef? Because he's going to kill someone. Fine. So we project he's going to kill someone, that's why we could kill him. But once we're projecting, we know he's going to do a whole list of things. And uh, so we'll give him for the most Chamerwar. Now, Rav Shuleib Distin gives a second answer, which is actually pretty complicated. I'm going to say it in one minute. You ready? Bottom line is, let's say somebody kills three people. If you kill one person, you get the sword. So L'chaira, if you kill three people, you can't chop off his head three times, he should get skila. And they go, he should get stoned. I mean, it should add up. Like, after you kill enough people, you should get a worse. So Gemara says, really, he should. But there are technical reasons we don't do that because of certain circumstances of Edom Zaymanen. But that's only somebody who actually kills someone. But somebody who we just project will kill people and will kill more than one person, then all of those killings should add up and we in fact add them up and we give the person uh, skila. One last idea. The Taisefta in Negoim says... That in Yerushalayim you cannot become a Ben Sairomaira. Why not? So Meshachachma, last, last week we spoke out of Meshachachma, and Isaac said, hey, so it's the yard site of the Meshachachma. So this week's not the yard site of the Meshachachma, maybe it's someone else on the sheet's yard site. You'll find that after. But Meshachachma says as follows. The Meshachachma cites Gemara Psachim. About a man by the name of Yochanan ben Narbai, who filled up his stomach with Kachim. He ate 300 cows and 300 barrels of wine and 40 large measurements of bread. I guess over some time. 
Uh, how much time? Basically, as long as this man was alive, there was never noisar in the Beis HaMikdash. He was like, you know, an endless pit. He, <laughs> he cleaned up everything. So what do we see? There's a lot of eating going on in the Beis HaMikdash. It says the Meshachachim, but not only in the Beis HaMikdash, because there are many Karbanas you could eat in the whole Yerushalayim. Karben Toida, Shlomim, Meiser Sheni, and they always were making sure there wasn't noiser anywhere. So people had to, you know, had to do the job. There were, there were no leftovers. And not only that, they had to drink a lot of wine of Meiser Sheni. So therefore, we cannot fault the kid if he's in Yushalayim and he's eating a lot of meat and drinking a lot of wine. In a way, it was a little bit part of the culture. So the Meshach says, interestingly, there was never a Ben Sarah Moira in Yerushalayim. But two things we could learn from here. Number one, the Chassam Soifer says, from the principle of Ben Sarah we see that sometimes God does, so to speak, intervene to keep a person at a certain level so that they don't, so, so to speak, go down. Which means as we approach the Yom Naraim, we want to be able to give an excuse to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, you know, renew the lease another time. We want to be able to say, Hashem, you know, I'm going up. Don't, don't do me any favors. And uh, don't do me any favors and cut it short while things are still going good. We want to give the Rebbe Shalom. We don't want any, any uh, reasons or rationales. We want to give, give the Rebbe Shalom a valid reason to keep us around. And that is, we want to make sure that every year... And every week and every month of our life, we're progressing and we're growing, we're elevating ourselves so that uh, we have uh, a zuchus to, to keep at it. But another important idea is that David HaMelech himself thought he was not capable of overcoming the temptation of the Yifas Toyar, and really he was. Which means David HaMelech, so to speak, his shortcoming, we cannot say such a thing, but this is what it comes out according to the Chassam Soifer, David HaMelech underestimated himself. Even David HaMelech did not recognize how great he was. David was actually greater than he thought he was. And that's probably something that we could all say about ourselves, that we are all capable of being greater than we think we are. And Bezos Hashem, Hashem should give us the siyata d'shmaya and the ability to uh, exercise our bechira to elevate ourselves and to be zoicha to a year of zechuyos tshuva masim toivim. The good news is that the mystery and the majesty is back in print starting tomorrow. It was out of stock for about nine days, and it will be available tomorrow. Brachavatzach, um, everyone. Have a great night. Kol tov. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.